Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm very glad you're with us today. You know, everybody that knows, and you know, you don't need to know it, but you might know I've spent 50 years of my life studying death and the afterlife. And most people who know that assume that must be my big interest, right? But actually, not so, not so much, not anymore. I know the death process, the afterlife, and the greater reality at this point, pretty much about as well as I know the United States, my country. I haven't been everywhere, but I know how it works and I can navigate it pretty well. And I, I, this occurs to me when I, because just recently I was asked to write the scripts for the 15 core videos for Seek Reality Online as we develop it. So I just sat down and wrote them straight out in one sitting. And then I sent them to the people who are working on this with us and needed to see them to get their advice. And even our lovely Craig didn't ask for changes. I couldn't get over it. Craig Hogan is a sweet and patient guy, and he is our treasured, treasured friend. And you can tell how sweet he is because he even puts up with me. Seriously, you got to love him for that. So I think I know it, and I don't need to know it anymore. No, what really feels compelling to me now is using what we have learned about humanity's fundamentally eternal and spiritual nature to lift this planet's collective vibrations away from fear and toward ever more perfect love. That's why we're here. And our experience in teaching about the afterlife has been that once people really get it, they really learn that their lives are eternal, they're never going to end, Healing the planet actually becomes, for many of them, their own personal focus, too. So of late, we've had a number of Seek Reality guests who are remarkable spiritual teachers and are on their own deep journeys because everyone is different. Different teachers will resonate with different people. And actually, our guest today is someone whose personal journey very nearly ended at the Boston Marathon bombing on April 15th, 2013. Jennifer Kaufman was right there. She was right on top of that bombing, and she was wrecked by it, both physically and mentally. She was devastated so deeply that she felt that she had no choice but to begin a course of transformation from the inside out that has resulted in a book, in successful coaching and speaking, and now in a transformational movie that she has produced, directed, and she stars in delightfully. It's called, There's Got to Be More to Life. And isn't that true? It's based on her own story of her journey from barely surviving to now really thriving. Jennifer is an executive producer of two Emmy and Telly award-winning films called, one of them is called, I love this, A New Leash on Life, pardon the pun, The Canines for Warriors story and The other one is called Freedom Isn't Free, the Folds of Honor story. Boy, they both look like something I'd like to watch. She's now an inspirational speaker and award-winning results coach and founder of the Rise and Thrive Movement. She tells us that she's on a mission now to inspire, encourage, and empower people to rise in their own lives, despite sometimes almost impossible seeming situations to transform their traumas, which is what she did, whatever those traumas might be so they can rise and thrive to live their own best life. Wow. I'm, I'm all on board with that. Jennifer, welcome. I'm so happy to have you with us today. Roberta, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Before we go on to share your story, our listeners like to get to know our guests as people. So they, I'm sure they would love to hear a little more about who you are. You you were a successful coach and producer, right? What was your, your career before 2013? So my career actually started out in the corporate world. Um, I grew up in the um, financial and investment industry um, in I started that in, you know, in my junior year of college and in my early to mid thirties, I decided there's got to be more. Um, At that stage, I was very successful in the corporate world, but I was miserable. So I had a great position. I had a great role, but I was 
frankly, unfulfilled and not happy. So I, I, I think your name is Legion, frankly. I think a lot of people feel that way. They, they, we, we, we're told by our culture what success will be. And you're obviously an overachiever. You set right out to be successful. And it was very, very thin and unsatisfying. I'm mm. sorry. Go ahead. Go on. Yeah. And so here's the thing that I learned. And it, it frankly took me into my 40s to, to actually it took the bombings to help me see this. So I was so I was an overachiever and I was an overachiever because I wasn't dealing with my past traumas as a child. I had some, you know, I had different childhood traumas and I didn't know how to process them and deal with them. And um, and so I was seeking something outside of myself, candidly. And so for me, that, you know, took place you know, in sports and I was always trying to be the best I could be and. Um, and be a value to my teammates. And then that same thing went into the corporate world. But even though I had success and even though I had, you know, a lot of achievements, I really wasn't fulfilled. Yeah. And what I didn't know that I learned through the bombings, and I want to say, I want to say something here for your listeners. The bombings was the most horrific thing that has happened to me. And yet today, I can sit here before you and say it's the greatest gift of my life. Yes. 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 That's an important insight. And I I hope more people will really see that that she's not just making the best of a bad thing. Many people find that every tragedy is a gift. Um, And I, I know this personally in my own life, but also many people reach out to me when they've had a horrible thing happen. The, the death of a child strikes me as one of the worst. And yet in so many cases that that was, and we know that the death of a child is a gift from that child. The child doesn't need a whole life anymore. That child is through incarnating and, and took that what brief lifetime as a gift to the people who are going to love that child and then have to lose that child. And people will later on years later, talk about the transformation that child's death, that gift was not all gifts are fun to receive, but they're gifts all the same. Thank you, Jennifer. That's wonderfully true. And and that's what we all should be looking for in our lives. How each bad thing empowers and improves our lives. And I, I like to use a metaphor and an analogy, Roberta. And, and this was, this helped me in my healing journey is that to be candid in the early stages of my healing from the bombings, I literally would sit in silence and go, I don't understand. What am I missing? And I would contemplate there's got to be more to life and I'm clearly missing it. Right. But what was happening for me was my perspective. My perspective was there must be something wrong with me because bad things happen, even though I'm a good person, a lot of buying citizen and all that. But I couldn't understand why I kept having these different traumatic experiences um, in, throughout my life. It, now, to be clear, I had some really great things happen, but I didn't understand it. And I was coming from this perspective, there must be something wrong with me, or these things are happening to me rather than for me. And oh, so right. when I was in the, in the, you know, frankly, when I was in the darkest days of my recovery from the bombings, excuse me, I was like really contemplating there's got to be more. And I started to say, well, what if, what if this experience and all the other so-called bad experiences, traumatic experiences were meant for me and my highest good rather than to me and to punish me? And if you see, there's a very different distinction. And what I realized was one of the distinctions was more disempowering, more victim-oriented mindset. Now, to be clear, I never viewed myself as a victim, but I can see where I had victim mentality because I felt like a prisoner to, to those experiences. When I started to shift my perspective on what if this is happening for me, and I, and I frankly likened it to, okay, when you plant something in the ground, most people use manure to get it to grow. That's true. Yes. What if the trauma is the manure in our life to get us oh, to good grow point. and to blossom? Right. That's a very good point. I never thought of it that way. That's true. 
it shifted my whole perspective. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is here for me. And and even though it's awful, and even though right. I would never wish this on another soul, I recognized it was waking me up to a greater truth. And yeah, most yeah. importantly, it brought me home to myself. Yes. Yeah, no, that, that's really true. I mean, we know that we plan our lives and we know that we deliberately plan some of the worst possible things we plan into our lives. And again, the, the death of a child is a very typical one. We plan it with the child before we are born that that's going to happen. And um, people people can't get over that. That's not even possible. I would, never would want this. But they, they don't think about how temporary this lifetime is. It is a period it's like going so bad, a bad day in school, really. That's what it is. And, and if we will take it that way and, and take what we can learn from each of the things that happen, even the worst things, we're empowered just to, that, that's what, that's what's great about your movie, because obviously you, you were, you were in a lot of pain in the beginning, at least. I don't know how well you were acting, but that was pretty serious acting if you're an actress. Um, and and you gradually felt more and more as if you were okay. You could do this. You you began to be centered in inside. You could see that happening. It was wonderful to watch that happen. Yeah, and that footage was real. So I was divinely guided probably about three and a half years <clears throat> or so after the bombings took place, and I was still on my healing journey then. Right, And I was guided to actually start to film this. Believe it or not, I actually had people say to me when I was in the hospital the day of the bombings, I had people say to me, I don't know, like several weeks or months after that initial experience, do you have photos? Photos? Who stops and takes photos? Oh, yeah. And I was really like, I was really taken back by that. Of course, I don't have photos. But as I started to get deeper into my healing journey, it was about three and a half, four years in, I got that I needed to film some of my actual healing, my deeper healing, so that people could see the transformation unfold. So some of the footage in the film was actually filmed four years ago. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, you really see it happening. But in order... In order for it to happen, you had to open yourself to the possibility that there that you couldn't control it, that you needed to basically be open to it. I mean, you, if you aren't open to healing, to change, to growth, even if it could happen, it won't happen for you. You, you remain close to it. And watching you seem to open to the possibility was a lot of fun, too, because obviously you had been like the most straight laced executive possible. You were just buttoned up in your three piece suit or whatever it was you were wearing. And you had to open to the possibilities in the end. She's got people channeling to her for heaven's sake. I don't know even if they were real, but, but this is real. you opened up. It was so amazing to watch. It was great. That's actually the key too, is that, I, you're 100% accurate. I was in a three-piece suit and I was <laughs> trying to look good. And right. most of the things, most of the things that we share, which are, it's literally an account of my journey. I would never have been open to most of what right. I ended right. up doing that was before the bombings took place. Yeah. That was that was really obvious, but it made it charming, really, for me, because I came from that world, too. I mean, I started out, um, for heaven's sake, I'm a lawyer. I started out thinking I'm going to actually be a lawyer. And and um, I was as, as tied up and neurotic inside as you can possibly imagine. We all have to get past that. And it's so liberating when we finally understand uh, you know, they, 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 they say we spend the first third of our life worrying what people think. Uh, about us, right? The first third, we spend worrying what people think about us. And the second third, we don't care what people think about us. And then the third third, we realize no one's been thinking about us at all. And that's so freeing when you get to that point. And you could see that you were sort of doing that too. I don't care what people think. I'm going to do this because it's working and it's giving me peace and making me feel whole. Let's talk about some of the things you did, especially in the beginning. 
you, you, she went to various kinds of healers because you decided then that the medical, you know, the, the, these people really didn't have the answers for you because it wasn't so much that you were physically, there was, I have one indelible, I'll never get it out of my mind, picture from that day in my mind, because, because um, we're from originally from the, the Boston area. And so when this happened, we were glued to our TV and there comes a man in a wheelchair and he's in a wheelchair because, and they, in later pictures of him, they blurred it. They didn't in the first one we saw. He had lost his feet and, and the bones of his thigh, of his, of his legs were just sticking out of the bottoms of, of his, and, and he's just sitting in this wheelchair and he looked like a, a lovely, you know, young, um, a man, an executive of some kind. I was, I, I couldn't believe it. He was calm and everything. But you have no feet is all I wanted to say to him. This is a real issue for you. Uh, it was it was very traumatic for me, too, just to even see that. So if you were in the middle of that horror, my goodness, that was very wounding. Just just to even be there, even if you weren't that close to it. I was actually 15 feet from the first explosion. Oh, my and I was standing just a few feet from one of the young women that died that day. And the gentleman oh. who I believe you're referring to is Jeffrey Bauman and Jeffrey Bauman if it's the same person that I believe you're describing, he was in the same, he was probably 10 to 12 feet away from me. Oh my God. I'm sure. Yes. I think that's what his name was. Is he still alive? He is actually. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I felt so bad for him. And he was so calm about it. I thought, well, there's class. You don't have any feet, but at least there's a wheelchair and you're okay. What a classy man. Oh, but I'll never forget that day just for that. So, all right. So you were, you knew they weren't really going to heal you inside. So where did you start to go? Who were the people you first went to for healing? So here's the thing. I actually, so it actually came to me. So that's the key thing. I want to impress upon trusting your instincts. So when I was in the ER, um, the truth is my experience in the ER was, was also traumatic. And here's why I know that doctors and nurses did the best they could. I know that without a doubt, but imagine going through an experience in your hometown that you're born and raised, went to university, worked in. And this experience happens that you can't even, you can't even quite grasp in your mind. And now you're in the ER, you're in excruciating pain and you don't know what just really happened and whether or not you're going to live to see another day. Yeah, And so I had a lot of trauma and it, well, obviously, right. But what was happening was my body was convulsing from the neck down. What I didn't know then that I later learned that was a natural response of my body trying to basically, um, you know, get rid of all of the adrenaline that was oh. stored up in my body from being able to flee the scene. But what happened was I was actually restrained. So I felt like, so Really, the trauma was trying to move, a portion of it was trying to move out of my body energetically, but because they were concerned for my well-being and not falling on the floor, they restrained me. So they did it for the right reasons, but I felt, Oh yeah. I can't begin to describe what I felt. Oh yeah. Oh, that would, that would multiply the, the trauma. You're, you're held down or you're, you're restrained. You can't even get away and all you want to do is flee. Oh my goodness. Yes. So I felt trapped. So that, that coupled with, I was telling the doctors and nurses what was, what I was physically feeling. And, and I had the experience of, they were talking over me and I didn't feel that they were listening. So the long story short is, you know, through being there for several hours, once things calmed down just a bit, I heard this inner voice say, you need to learn how to heal naturally. I had no prior knowledge how to do that. My background is in business, as I indicated in finance. I don't have a medical background at all. Here's the the gift. If I didn't have the experience I had in the hours leading up to hearing this inner voice, I wouldn't have made the courageous decision that took me several more hours to make, which was to actually discharge myself from the hospital in the care of one of my family members and then go on this journey. I didn't know where I was going to begin. The very next day, I called um, one of my uh, a um, psychologist who I'd worked with about 12 years prior. My dad had passed away very unexpectedly two and a half months after 9-11. 
and we had been estranged for 10 years and we had just reconciled or we were in the process of reconciliation. Long story short is I reached out to that therapist because she was integral to me at that time. That was my first step. What happened next, out of the blue, a friend of mine reached out to me and said, I can't even begin to know what you're experiencing, but I've made an appointment for you to go see a brain integration um, therapist who can help you deal with some of the trauma. I'd never even heard of the term. I didn't even know what it was. I had no physical, mental, emotional capacity to go even online and look. I just trusted. She made the appointment. I had a family member take me there and I just showed up. And then what happened was in the midst of that one hour session, I left there feeling somebody had turned the dial down on the pain. Somebody, it's like somebody like opened up the pressure valve and some of the anxiety and the terror and the pain dissolved just a little bit. I was like, I don't know what this is. It sounds weird. It's like whatever, but I felt different. It's working. <laughs> That's, That's what got me back. And that, honestly, then that led to seeing an acu- I was referred, that woman referred me to an acupuncturist. Now I would have said to you before, <laughs> right. there's no friggin' way I'm putting needles in myself. <laughs> right. That's right. way beyond my intellectual capacity. No, but, but, but I trusted this woman who I had been working with for a few weeks and I was like, okay, I'll just give it a try. And then that helped manage my pain. So I didn't have to take pain medicine. So now I started to learn all natural ways to deal with what was going on physically, emotionally, and mentally, and eventually spiritually too. But I didn't know that then. Right. So that's what this was. It's just, it was just like, and so I didn't really have to go anywhere. It came to me. Like when I chose the path, people just started lining up. And what would happen is the next person would show up when I needed that particular modality. I I know that people think that sounds strange, but I hear that same kind of thing so often. Um, the, 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 The Eastern medicine folks say when the student is ready, the teacher will come. And that does seem to happen. Um, I hear from people every, almost every day um, nowadays who say they just found seek reality or they just found me and I was just what they needed at that moment. Well, we, we know that our guides are, are the ones who, who make these connections, but it's beautiful how it happens. And that's what was happening. Your guides were saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to heal you and we're going to do it in a way that is gentle and powerful and is in the correct order of things so that you will be gradually healed. Nothing. Part of the problem with Western medicine is it wants to hit you over the head with, with healing right then and there. And, and that doesn't work very well. Not when you have a kind of deep, deep trauma you've had mental and physical. Um, no, it, it's, that's wonderful. That's a great part of your story. The fact that, that you were led to the right people at the right time. But it's your, it's a common story. That's what I love about it. I want to share. I want to share something that I think is an, is something for our culture here in the United States. I can't speak if this you know takes place outside of the U.S. But I know growing up um, that we put a lot of emphasis on our medical establishment and all of that. But what I've noticed in my own my own journey um, over the years is that. I would abdicate, you know, my responsibility for my well-being to the doctors and nurses in my life. And so even though doctors and nurses might say things, and I think they're brilliant people, please do not misunderstand this. But but at the end of the day, I know my body best. Yeah. But I would, right. but if a doctor said something to me and it didn't feel right, I didn't speak up. Before the bombings, I didn't speak up. I'd go, okay, the doctor knows better than me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think that what we need to get to is that the doctor knows what the doctor knows. They have an amazing training, amazing skills. And we as human beings know ourselves and know our body. And so there needs to be more of a co-creation or co-communication yes. and what is in the best path for, you know, and, and, and it's not just like saying, okay, I'll do whatever 
he or she says. It's like, if it resonates, 100% do it. Yeah. If it doesn't resonate, you need to listen to that own inner guidance that says something isn't right. Yeah. And just ask the questions, seek guidance, ask for, ask for, and I'll tell you, this is what I did with a lot of the, the, um, the doctors and practitioners I worked with. If they said something that didn't resonate, I would question it. Good for you. Yep. And then I'd be like, and if they were open to, to, you know, having a dialogue about it, then great. If they weren't, then I just took in that moment. Maybe this person just isn't the right fit for me at this stage. Doesn't make them a bad person, but it just, we're not aligned and that's okay. That's right. But we've got to be the driver of our own health and well-being, no matter what the situation is. Absolutely right. I mean, people will tell me too, oh, this medium or that medium didn't work because people still are trying very hard to communicate uh, with the people that we used to think were dead that they love in their lives. And it's hard to find a good medium. And I hear from people all the time. And I just, I tell them, you know, get referrals and then ask questions. And it, the, the fact that somebody can't be in touch with your mom or your husband or something doesn't mean that there's any trouble. It just wasn't, you know, the, the energies aren't aligned. It just isn't right, right then. Um, people stress tremendously over things that they should not be stressing over at all. And certainly the whole point is healing your, you emotionally. If it's stressing you, my goodness, my dear, that's the last thing you want. And I, I think that's the key. But what happens, right? What happens when we're when something, you know, we're dealing with a health issue or dealing with some sort of trauma? Most of us are in a state of fear. And what are we yeah. afraid of? We're afraid... I think at the, at the end of the day, we're afraid of dying. That's right. That's the core fear. Exactly right. When you feel, what we've discovered is when you get rid of that fear, Jennifer, you essentially stop fearing anything, even the mortgage payment. It's amazing. It it's is a hundred percent true. And that's it. Is that, is that, so when we get stuck in that fear state, it literally shuts down parts of our brain and we don't even think rationally anymore. That's right. And we want someone else to do the thinking for us. So, in you know, the doctors and nurses are not bad in this situation at all. It's just yeah. a matter of we have to get ourselves to a place. That, now, listen, of course, we're going to have fear to some degree. But what I've learned is when I trust my own instincts and my own gut, I really don't have anything to fear. It's when I don't listen to those intuition, those, you know, the my intuition or, or those feelings of that resonance that I usually get into trouble. Absolutely right. The difference is when we address the core fear, which is the fear of death. And when people really get that it's impossible, literally impossible for them to die, they are going to live eternally. When they really get that, every fear goes away. It's quite astonishing. I had a terrible fear of fear of uh, the dark. Uh, all growing up. I mean, I, it's, it's a horrible thing now. I love being in the dark. I'm happy to be in the dark all the time. That's how much it gets rid of all those stupid fears we have. But so, but watching you gradually grow and open up to other people too. I mean, people maybe that you didn't even know before people, people in a, in a, in a group where you're all trying to heal from trauma and you're, you're working together. I found it very inspiring because here you were this buttoned up, you know, very successful woman. And you were out there working with all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, all of you healing together yourselves and one another. That was beautiful to watch. I loved that. Yeah. I think, I think at the end of the day, I just have come to understand that together we rise and then together we thrive. That's right. And listen, I'm not I'm not an extraordinary person. I'm no different than you and no different than your listeners. I just have had different sets of circumstances. And I've gotten to a place in life where I'm like I can either be a prisoner to my trauma, which is an option. Yep. It's not a very good one. <laughs> or I can find a way to rise up from my trauma and see it as a gift and see it as it's shaping me and molding me to the, to the woman that I am today. And without it, I wouldn't be able to have the courage um, to sit in, you know, here with you today, having this conversation. And, and I also think that it's, it's an opportunity for us. So 
I want to set people free. I found a way to set myself free. And Wayne Dyer talks about this. I'll be candid. I actually struggled to put the movie together. I was given this insight about two and a half years ago. And I actually didn't do it until the pandemic happened. Because, you know, I, I knew me being as authentic as I am, because we talk about healing, me healing the, you know, the terrorist within me. And that's not something that I talked openly about before, but that is the truth. I had to learn that process. So I recognize Wayne Dyer was one of my spiritual mentors. And I remember him saying that, you know, don't die with your music still inside of you. Yes. And that experience was to help me share my own experience, my own insights and wisdom from that experience so others could learn from it and accelerate their own healing journey and own ability to rise up from trauma and fear and to go on and live a life that they love and where they're thriving. Yes. You make another excellent point there. Each person's ideal life is going to be different from everyone else's ideal life. Um, I see I, the, whatever what you resonate to, the, the, your attuning fork, what you resonate to is going to be different from what anybody else does. But if that's your bliss, if that's your particular song, then sing it and sing it loud and sing it strong. The right people will hear it. You'll get to them and you'll do the things you came to earth to do. And that's what matters. People are, are afraid to try something because it may not be the ideal thing. Just do it. It will be the right thing. It is. We have to have the courage just enough to go outside of our comfort zone. And here's the thing. I think, you know, particularly in our society, you know, we we tend to want to play it safe. And, and, you know, I mean, we're risk takers to some degree, but like kind of play it safe. And it's like this way of living is is a complete different way, meaning there's no planning. There's no, you know, it's just like you. So. Let me give you a a distinction. In my corporate world, we would plan out a year, two, three, four years down the road of what we were going to do, right? We'd spend a ton of time, a ton of energy, and a ton of money doing that. Now, I think there's, you know, there's having some intentions and having some big visions is absolutely important. But what happens is as you start to implement, things shift. And you've got to be able to pivot and you've got to be able to adjust. It doesn't mean that you don't still have set, you know, your sights on a bigger vision, but how you get there is likely to change. But if you're too rigid and you're too, you know, linear based focused, it, it, it literally creates strife. It creates hardship in the workplace. And I've experienced it. I lived it. This other way of being is like, you can have your intuit, you know, your insights and your vision, and then you just, it's kind of like the weather, right? We, we get the forecast every day, but oftentimes it's not actually what happens, but we have to adjust and pivot. If the same thing is true in this way of, in, of just really staying in the present moment and then noticing the signs and synchronicities in the breadcrumbs that are leading you on your path to fulfill on your own guided purpose and mission. It's not what someone else tells you to do. It's beyond the mind. You know, we, we talk a lot about mindfulness in our culture. And I, I actually want to start a new conversation, which is actually beyond the mind. Don't misunderstand. The mind plays, it still plays a role, but it's not just the mind. It's our heart and our soul. And we know there's a resonance, there's a vibration inside of us. We we know when something doesn't feel right. Think about it. When you, you go into a room and there's a bunch of people there. And if you don't, if you get a bi- bad vibe, what do you do? You, 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 man, you, you move on. Right. The same thing right. is true in life. If you're up to something, your mind might say, well, you know what? Yeah, of course I should do that because you can justify it with your rational mind. But if you, but something doesn't feel right, I'm suggesting you focus on the, something that doesn't feel right and just trust your instinct and what to do next. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. But another thing you did, which was, was very powerful um, was that you went to the trial of the surviving bomber 
mm-hmm. and you forgave him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, that we teach is the most powerful tool for spiritual growth is forgiveness. And for the reason you point out, you're not, it's not for him. He doesn't care whether you forgive him or not. It's for yourself. It's like, I'm going to be free now. And you take off that burden of, of blame, blaming him and also then blaming yourself. I mean, it's a knot. We are tied up with whoever is our victimizer. The victim and the victimizer are in this awful dance. And you have the, are the only one who can break that dance. And you did it. It was quite beautiful. That was great. That was not an easy thing to do. And let me explain how I got there. So at that stage of the, so year one in my um, healing was all about rising above my terror, right? Like I literally was terrified of my own shadow. Um, And year two was rising above my rage because I had a lot of rage and a lot of hatred and um, particularly towards those two young men. And what I realized was every time I would have a rageful moment um, in my apartment, I would feel awful, right? And it would literally be a setback. And so I would be so upset and then be more upset that I didn't feel good. And then I realized, okay, the same thinking that went, that had this happen is not going to get me out of this situation. Right. So I'm like, okay, what, what can I do differently? In the short run, it was to actually tap into love and compassion. And I would literally say, if this, if one of my nieces were going through this, what would I do for them right here, right now? And whatever answer I got, I would apply it to myself. Like, what's the most loving thing I can do in this moment? Rather than get stuck in the rage and get stuck in the anger, And so over time, I kept getting, I needed to forgive. And I was like, how on earth can I forgive what I perceived at that time as unforgivable? Right. Because my whole world was shattered, literally. Right. I know. It's, it's not easy. There are tricks, though. We teach those tricks. But you're right. I mean, to just not knowing the tricks and only knowing Discovering as you did, which is very good that you were able to discover the fact that really the only person you're hurting is yourself. Exactly. And if I didn't have the physical evidence of that, I don't know. I don't know how long, much longer it would have taken for me to forgive. So I did it out of sheer, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Because we think, we think it's out there with them. It's not. It's within ourselves. Yes. In the minute. Yeah, we, that's right. We say, I forgive you. We cut the cord. We yes. cut the bond and we set ourselves free, literally. Exactly right. Yes, it's our, quite it's, beautiful. It's, it's, it's our way to get out of, out of our own prison. Do, Jennifer, people don't get that it is the most empowering thing you can do. And you beautifully put it that way in the, in, in the film. You freed yourself. And you could look at him and you could feel love and feel kindness for this poor kid. And, and you would never have been able to do that before. So look how you grew from this experience. Exactly. And forgiveness is a tool in the toolbox that, you know, that we have at our disposal and it's free. That's it's free. That's right. That's right. We just actually have to, you know, like, you know, and forgive ourselves even like that's another thing, right? Is exactly is, that's is to have the yep. courage to forgive ourselves. Yep. That's right. I watched your movie because I, oh, I, we, we had a, we had a little thing going on, you know, I'm the, the most inept person you have ever met in your entire life. And I have, I'm still doing closings from the end of the year, people selling their businesses and I'm just very busy and I couldn't get this thing to play. And I was cranky and Jennifer said, Oh, we'll just get together and I'll, we'll zoom. And I said, yeah, I'm think I'm thinking you're very sweet. Aren't you? I'm thinking they'll never work. But anyway, she did, she got it to play. So anyway, I was up against a deadline. And I got all engrossed in the movie. I thought, because I was, I was going to just sort of maybe watch the highlights. I watched the whole thing. I was rooting for you. It was really quite engaging just to watch this woman with whom you really, I, I identified, maybe not everybody would, but I was identifying with you because I think 
my early life was very much like yours. And I, I really was trying to do all the wrong things wrong for me, but I thought there was only one way to go. It was so liberating to gradually get free of that. And you did too. And Mm -hmm. watching you grow was a wonderful thing. Seeing you hugging these women that I knew were not like your best buds forever, but they were, they were fellow travelers on this wonderful journey. That is our lives. It was just beautiful. It was beautiful. I loved it. Thank you for that. I watched the whole thing. I was late for other things, but that doesn't matter. Well, thank you for taking the time to watch. And really, really the film, I did the film for others. I wanted to show how it's possible to rise up from anything. And and it's like, if I can do it, I promise you anyone can. And that's why I did it. And so the, the making of the film is that, so that I wanted people to identify, like, listen, we all, every single person on this planet has experienced trauma. Our, our experience of trauma is different. It doesn't make it better than or less than. It just, it's just is. But we all feel the same things as a result of the other side of that traumatic experience, whether it's losing a child, whether it's a, you know, losing a spouse, whether it's, it's losing your job. All kinds of things. Right. Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, someone said to me, like, you know, what you went through um, is worse than my trauma. I said, no, it isn't. No, no. No, and, and it doesn't even have to be a dramatic trauma. I mean, it can just be be, a, be failures. You started a business that didn't work, and then you tried some other thing, and that that didn't work either. And and this when that happened, well, someone did it. I wish I'd remembered where I found this, but it was a long time ago. Um, I, I read someone had done this big study on because they were trying to figure out the difference between the big successes and the people who just never made it. And you know what the only difference was? The people who were the successes kept trying. They all had failed the same number of times. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos and the, and the guy with you know who's fishing around in the dumpster behind your 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 restaurant, they failed the same number of times, but he kept trying. Elon Musk, whoever you want to name. I mean, I, in fact, now that he's our neighbor in, in Texas, there are all kinds of stories about him. And they're all kind of adorable in a way because he's got Asperger's. And my my whole family does too, except me. I'm the abnormal one in my family. But but the point is, the only difference was they just didn't, they gave up too soon. Don't give up. That's the, if you want to succeed, don't fail. That's all. That's all you have to do. Don't let it be an end. Sorry, but I just had to add that because to me, it fits there. You, you were not going to let this end your success. You were going to make it the springboard to something bigger, which is what it has been. But here's the thing. If you had said to me, Roberta, you have to understand in 2012, I came off my best year in business. All of my um, consulting and coaching clients had their best years too. And I took, I took almost two months off. So uh, Jan and most of Feb off um, in 2013 to have a sabbatical, right? Right. And then I signed a publishing deal in March to, to write my very first book. And then April, the bombings happened. Oh, great. If you had had said to me, if you had said to me that I would rise up after the bombings, not only write a book, but to, 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 to produce two Mission for Good films to help veterans who are struggling with post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury and sexual assault within the military, I would have said, no, nowhere on my path. It, was on, it wasn't on my radar. <laughs> but what happened was there was a deeper calling, a deeper purpose, a deeper, like, and I feel the most alive and fulfilled and purpose driven I have ever felt in my life right ever I have experienced during the pandemic I've experienced bliss and peace I know that's really hard for a lot of people to understand because most of the people in my life have experienced fear fear of losing their job fear of losing a loved one to COVID fear you know all these fears I just I just embraced the situation and I had a lot of love and compassion and peace and bliss around it because I'm not afraid of dying either. 
I'd rather live. And I learned through my own experiences that every moment of every day, we're either living or slowly dying. That's true. It's up or down. Right. That's right. And we're at choice. Fear, if we live in fear and worry, and it's something I know very well, because I've I've had it since childhood into my um, adulthood. I struggled with panic and anxiety disorder and depression well before the bombings took place. I don't have any of that anymore. Oh, isn't that beautiful? I don't have any of that anymore. Because here's the deal. I'm comfortable with myself and who I am. And I'm comfortable to say, the, you know, the, the parts of me that are beautiful and kind and loving and the parts where I used to silently contemplate wanting to kill those two men that placed the bomb that day. Yeah. I truly yeah. thought that. I'm grateful I never acted on that. And that's where I talk about I had to face and heal the terrorists that live inside of me because if I actually acted on those thoughts, right. I would have been just like them. Yes. That's that's right. And it is so liberating when we finally forgive. That ultimately is the greatest gift we can give to ourselves. I'm sorry, we've come to the end of our time. What do you, what do you want people most to take away from today? We've talked about so much. What do you think is the most important thing for the listeners to take away today? To slow down and to trust your instincts. Whatever whatever is is, you know, listen, right now I see this as a great opportunity for change and it's a great opportunity to pivot. So if you don't love the job you're in or you don't love, you know, whatever that is, take a step back and ask yourself, what is it that you want to, to do differently that would have you come alive and have you feel like you're thriving in life and then take the first step, whatever that is, just trust your instincts and take a leap. Take the leap of faith. I promise you won't regret it. And not only and yes, that, it's scary. In the beginning, yes. Yes. In the beginning, it is scary. I'm gonna tell you, even, even me going out and doing something else is scary in the beginning. That's part of the journey. Right. That's right. That's true. That's very true. Jennifer Kaufman has well, you're you're one of one of the lucky people who have, who has your name as your web website URL jenniferkaufman.com it'll be in the, the notes to this program so um I urge you to to go and I mean if you resonate with what she says today you probably are going to resonate with her with her uh, movie and her movie shows you how she was able to heal and to really get on this wonderful path your path is ahead of you too. And it's going to be different from hers, different from mine, different from anyone else's, you know, but it's your path and perfect for you. And the journey of a thousand miles starts with a first step. So if you feel an urge and people email me every day saying they want this or that, they really want it. They just aren't sure how to get started. Jennifer can help you understand how to get started. So big hug, my dear. Thank you so much for everything you've done today. Thank you. Thanks for having me and big hugs back to you too. Everyone, again, we've come to the end of our time. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so glad you could be with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get that, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will again be the world's leading expert on death, the afterlife, the greater reality, where it all happens, and the scientific basis of it all, which to me is very important. And he's, of course, our wonderful friend, my mentor in this work, Dr. R. Craig Hogan, will be with us for the 33rd time. And our topic is going to be Seek Reality Online. We've been talking about doing this for years. We, we Before COVID, we put on several afterlife conferences, and they were wonderful fun, but it took a whole year of planning to to get to three or 400 people what that does that's not very efficient this is more efficient um we have quite a large listener base really now um which i'm very grateful for uh, with seek reality but still we want to do so much more for you and finally we have found a team who are terrific and i think they're terrific in developing this website because a they're trying to treat it like a business which is what it really should be um i've been advising businesses for 40 years and if you don't take what you're doing seriously enough to call it a business it, you're you're not you know you're, you're playing we need to get serious about enlightening the world 
But also, most importantly, they put so much effort into to trying to understand what you want. It isn't about Craig or me at all. It's we're watching this team put our dreams for you into reality. It's just beautiful. So we're going to talk about that next week. And they are, the team is asking what you want, if you have any particular interests or needs. So go to the green contact block on robertagrimes.com if you have some particularly strong wishes and, and let us know. And please, of course, be sure to join us next week. This week, our guest has been Jennifer Kaufman, who has a brand new full-length film and a fascinating story. As I said, I watched it yesterday because it was, you know, homework is how I started it. But I ended up devouring the, the, the movie, watching it cover to cover, front to back, beginning to end, really enjoying it, really learning from it. And uh, P.S. I had some cranky clients that I hadn't gotten back to, but that's all right. The movie is called There's Got to Be More to Life. That is absolutely true. Jennifer believes that all of us, no matter where we are now, can rise above and thrive to live our best possible life. I think she's absolutely right. And there are people for, with, for whom her way of doing it is going to be exactly what they need. So I'm just glad to be able to share Jennifer with you today. As you know, I have some some books. You know what they are, so I won't I won't uh, talk about them again. But I do want you to know that if there's anything you want to talk about, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm getting back to people now. I'm sorry, it's close to a week, but I do work on it every day. It's very important to me to to make sure I answer your email and answer it in a way that will make you happy. So. Um, please, if you have something you want to talk about or a question or anything at all, um, just send me an email. Make Just make sure I have your correct email address because otherwise I write a big, big long email and it bounces and it makes me sad. You don't want to do that. <sighs> Meanwhile, everyone, this has been fun, hasn't it? This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy. Please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being and you, most of all in the entire universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.